Today's episode is brought to you by Olaplex. This is Outspoken, the podcast that's not afraid to say exactly what you're thinking. Our names are Amy, Kate and Sophie Torver. We're identical triplets, but we often don't have identical opinions. So sometimes things can get heated. Outspoken covers all things reality TV, influencers, entertainment and issues facing women. That is so fetch. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Outspoken. Thanks so much for joining us. As usual, you're joined by Kate and Sophie, and we've got little Archie here in the studio, which is, of course, Sophie's dog. And Sophie, you have a pretty embarrassing confession about something you've recently purchased for Archie. (laughs) I do. I'm going to look like an absolute psycho. I've bought him a dog stroller, and this is because he cannot stand to be away from me for longer than really a couple of minutes. I can't be out of his sight. He's obsessed with me at the moment. And so this is basically like a baby stroller, but a mini one for dogs. It is so cute. They've got this little area that where you can zip them in. So, oh I mean, I God. feel like people are going to be looking at me, assuming this is a baby and then getting a surprise when they see a beautiful dog. I am not going for a walk with you if you are pushing that. That is so embarrassing. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool because, of course, Archie's not allowed to go on walks yet because um, he hasn't had all this vaccination. So it's a great way that he can come on. So for my little lunchtime walks. Aren't you just teaching him that he's never going to be left alone? I feel like this this is going to backfire on you eventually. Well, it's more for my neighbours who can't stand his bloody howling the whole time. The funniest thing about getting Archie, though, is that I've now somehow teamed up with two other girls. We'll connect with two girls who also have the puppies from the same litter, and they have been messaging me saying they have had the weeks from hell. It's like a mum's group online. It really is. It's like, it just reminds me of what I'll be like as a mum just bitching about my child. Like, yeah, they didn't go to sleep and they... They're around me all the time. My favourite story this week from you about Archie was the fact that you've had him in this little run that's basically like a big cage for him to sleep in, and he managed to climb out of it. Now, Amy, it's not a cage. It's a crate. Sorry, a crate. Well, he, cage has a rather nasty connotation. Well, to anyway, it. He, he climbed out of his sleeping enclosure climbed up the stairs, which you didn't even know he could do, and scratched on your door to come in. Well, it's pretty crazy. He managed to slide open the sliding door as well. So he's a very, very talented dog. Very intelligent dog. <laughs> well, we were having people vote whether he should have been called Manuka or whether he should have been called Archie. I think he should have been called Houdini. <laughs> That's so lame. <laughs> Kim, would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. Now let's get into our first topic, which is the evolution of the Instamum. Now, I've got to say, these types of accounts have been popping up in my feed recently, and I think it's because I'm in my 30s now. And I've got to say, I love following these accounts because I feel like a fly on the wall looking into what potentially could be my life in five years' time. What a very scary thought. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know. You know what I mean? In the next coming years. There always seems to be that stereotypical Insta mom. She's always young, blonde, everything's organized. She's got oh. one of those pantries that's got labels over everything. Yeah, and the kids are always pretentious names. Immaculately and, dressed. Yeah. Look, when you say pretentious, they've always got a unique name, don't they? Yeah, so a unique name that you've never heard of and is very marketable, I suppose. Mm, but it's interesting you say that because then I think quite a number of women have made a niche or a market for themselves by showing what it's really like to be a mum, like that really raw side. Yeah, well, I feel like there's two kind of Instagram accounts. You're either the mother that pretends that the child's never vomited or never poos and it's everything's all rosy and and perfectly curated, or there is the mum that sort of opens up about what life is really like as a mum. Yeah, well, I feel like with the introduction of Instagram stories, a lot of the mums sort of share a bit more details on the story, but the feed often remains pretty much curated. 
Yeah, that's true. I was going to say the reason I thought this topic would be good to talk about is because I was watching last night Chloe Zepp, who's a massive influencer. She's pregnant with Mitchell Orville, who's another huge influencer, his baby. And they did a house tour and they were showing off the nursery and it was literally like brand deal here, brand deal here. We got this for free, this, this and this. And it just made me think of the money that is involved in being a mummy a blogger. Well, well, they are really turning a baby into a commodity at the moment, aren't they? As you said, there's so many brand deals to be made and it's kind of that next evolution for a lot of influencers. Yeah, exactly right. So I suppose there's two camps. There's the people that already have the following that they're documenting their life. So it's a natural progression into being an Insta mum. Or there are those people that just take off because they're sharing all their mum hacks and somehow they just make it big and get a massive following. Well, that's a bit like what happened to Tammy Hembro, who, of course, we were talking about last week. Tammy actually got famous after she gave birth to her son. I feel like hers was more about being a hot mum, though, because I feel like the most recent, well, the accounts that I follow a lot, they're usually very much all organizational base. So there's Steph Pace and she has her own planners and her pantry is just amazing. She has a YouTube channel where she shares all of her organizational tips and I just hang on every one of her stories. I just find it so fascinating. But don't you think it makes other mums feel like shit? Because I wonder if there's this side of it where I know we've spoken before in the past about hate following and I'm sure there would be a lot of mums who are hate following the Insta mums. Oh, definitely. There was a study in Canada and it found that social media makes mums feel insecure about their parenting so it's sort of there's so many different areas that they feel insecure so they feel like their meals aren't as healthy and yummy their postpartum body isn't as good maybe their husband doesn't adore them as much as the other husbands there's so many different parts that they compare themselves to and I suppose this is really damaging when you reflect that a lot of people do suffer from postnatal depression so it would be really hard sitting there struggling and then you're going onto Instagram and there's all these people with their beautiful lives and their perfect pantries and everything's clean and their kids are gorgeous and behaving and sleeping through the night when in fact insta mums are very performative it's Mm. not really what's happening Mm. it's really that sense of comparison isn't it i mean it's the first time in history that we've been able to kind of be a fly on the wall of what mums are doing so i mean you know back in the day when you just have your photo album to flick through you couldn't compare whether your child's birthday party was better than the next I suppose it also opens up to a lot of judgment on what mums on Instagram are doing too. Definitely. The thing is, with a lot of the YouTubers or Instagrammers who are popular before having their baby, you'll find that they document every single stage. So using Sarah's day as an example, she announced that she was having a baby and that it was a complete surprise. And I remember seeing a scene that she put up and she was crying. Well, she had just found out she was pregnant and it was a real shock because she's had PCOS. So it's was unlikely that she could have children. Yeah, but it, 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 he wasn't planned either. So it was a real, that kind of scary moment where she's like, oh my goodness, this, you know, I'm so happy that I'm having him, but I'm also so scared because I haven't planned this. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what's he going to feel like when he sees this? But I think the bigger part of it was the fact that a lot of these videos, you know, his name was teased. There were a lot of eyebrows raised about the fact that it was kind of teased to get views and clicks and money. Well, how do you feel about that? Because I kind of think, wow, if I gone through childbirth and I put that video up and it's going to make me eight grand, well, bloody hell, I deserve it after giving birth to a child. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one because Sarah's Day and other YouTubers like her, they document their whole life and people, there's actually a demand for people to see it. Yeah. It is hard though because it comes down to consent and there's ethical reasons like, 
you know, Fox, he might think it's great at the moment, but what happens when he's 15 and people are pulling up, oh, hey, this is you being born or this is your first birthday Mm. or remember when you did this and that was embarrassing? And there was actually a kid in the US whose mum was an Insta mum and she would not stop sharing photos of this kid. This kid said, look, mum, I don't want to be in the photos. Can you stop taking them? And it got to the point where he actually had to buy a hoodie that said, don't take my photo on there because she can hardly upload a photo like that that shows that he's not consenting to it. Mm. How old was he? I think he was eight or ten. And this oh is what gosh. this is what makes me think that in the future, social media won't be around because there's so many kids what? That are, that's a very big statement well, because there's so uh, let me explain why because there are so many kids growing up with it and it's kind of it'd be nerdy for your parents to do it you know what i mean like whenever there's something your parents do you don't want to turn into that person well it's funny how things evolve though because i remember it was very taboo to actually put pictures of babies on the internet for i mean obviously sinister reasons and now it's something that everyone's posts pictures of their baby i mean i find it a bit too far when people post the ultrasound shot i always think that's a bit yuck mm. do you know what though so if back to your point about people leaving social media i don't know if they'll leave it completely but i feel like everyone's going to become super private because it's mm. going to become a bit sort of unclassy to put lots of information out about yourself and you see it with celebrities as soon as they find this level of fame suddenly they become ultra private about their lives and we're kind of seeing that with some of the big australian youtubers like people like shiny grimmond and michael finch they are sharing less and less about their lives and they're sort of when they post videos it's back to what they originally posted all about makeup Mm. so we're seeing Mm. this sort of change in the way people are sharing information about themselves and on the topic of the children that are unwittingly involved in these instagram accounts a psychologist compared it to child stars and they said that these kids kind of find it really hard readjusting to normal life because they're used to getting their photo taken and i suppose thinking about that coupled with the likes and comments that they also then receive it could be very damaging well, what do you think of the parents who push their kids into doing those YouTube, you know, the toy testers? I know Roxy jasenko has been doing that. And I've got two schools of thought on it. I think it's kind of clever in a way because they are setting their kids up to make a lot of money in the future. But then I see the other side where you're also setting your kids up to receive bullying messages mm. or ridicule. I, th- yeah, I agree. I think that if a child shows genuine interest in wanting to make a channel and being creative, then I think that's fine. But if you're the one fueling the motivations of that child, I think that's a very different story. I don't know. I mean, I don't have children, but I would find it really hard allowing them at, you know, six or seven years old to be putting themselves in the public sphere open to ridicule and comments. I just think maybe once they're 18 they can go and do what they want or 16 but I just feel like too young to be an influencer then you've got to start so young I know but I just think there's more to life than being an influencer I feel like it's but that's the weird thing because back in the day everyone wanted to be singers or actors and it's like yeah you can keep dreaming but these kids can actually start doing it now but do we think in the future that there will be massive brand deals like there are on offer i mean yeah. you know with youtube they've already made it more difficult for kids to reach that level of fame and you know the monetization has changed but you- there's changing platforms so kids mm. are going to make it well, big TikTok. off tiktok or yeah. wherever it is there's always going to be money there just on the topic of kids doing really well online a YouTuber that we follow is Anastasia Kingsnorth, and she's huge. And she's from England. We've spoken about her a few times. She, she actually became. She started her channel when she was only eleven, so she's grown it over 
eight years, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, the thing is, she's got a little brother who's about five, and his name is Atticus, and he is he appears in a lot of her videos, and he's kind of got cult status in the UK. People will spot him when he's out shopping. They quote him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he recently launched an Instagram account, and I think it got like a hundred thousand follows in the first day. And there was something I felt really, I felt really weird and uncomfortable about it. Like I didn't go and follow Mm. him. I sort of drew a line at following a a five creepy. Well, just going back for a second to the birth vlogs, it's really interesting to analyze because as young women, it's the first time I've ever seen the whole process of childbirth and the lead up and how hideous it looks to be pregnant. And I wondered to myself, is this going to stop women from actually wanting to have kids? Well, it's funny because when you're at school, I remember they used to put that video on and I think it showed a birth and it was very graphic. (laughs) This is more showing the process of labor. I mean, I know the one I watched was Sarah's Day and I've watched Sky Wheatley's vlog on birth. And, yeah, it did make me think, wow, that looked hideous. But but even seeing the whole newborn stage and just how hellish it must be, I feel like, yeah, it it really shows the reality of what it is to be a young mum and it might be one that does put people off. Well, it was kind of, it's kind of been this unspoken thing, isn't it? You know, you often, you'll hear stories from different mums, but now it's so readily available online what it's actually like living with a newborn that I, I, as you said, I didn't know half that stuff. I didn't know that they woke up every three hours or whatever I mean, it is. The other good thing about it is the fact that a lot of women can then relate to it. Like, I feel like if I was going through that stage, it'd make me feel better that I had someone to connect to. Yeah, I think there is a positive side to it when we're talking about the influencers that are sharing their real sort of mums, not these curated feeds. I think it's really good for people suffering from postnatal depression, knowing that other people are struggling through it. And I also think it's a wake up call for maybe young people that want to have kids and then they watch it and they're like, oh, so that's really what it's like. I agree with you, Kate, because you look at Sky Wheatley, who shared some details about how she was struggling with parenthood. And then you look at her feed and it's this perfectly curated feed where Forrest looks perfectly dressed and she's, you know, back to a size six and it didn't show any of the struggle on that feed. What can you put up that is a struggle? Well, maybe the kid covered in crap and food. And- maybe, but I don't know if it's well, going to do well. I think the whole <laughs> setting up photos of kids is a bit weird. You know, having an actual photo shoot with a oh kid my wearing clothes. I saw this so... Sorry, I'm getting flashbacks to us like setting up shoots with Soap's dog, oh, Archie. That's different. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of a, an acquaintance that I used to work with and she's recently had a child. And the first photo I saw of her with the child was this perfectly themed photo shoot with, you know, hair and makeup. And I just thought that For is her or the baby? For her and the child, I suppose. <laughs> the baby had makeup on. Well, I don't know, but she had a hell of a lot of hair and makeup done. And I just thought, this is so unrealistic. Like, it just, it all seemed very staged. Well, that's the whole thing on Instagram. It is all stage and people begin to think that that's real and that they're failing as a mother because they don't have the perfect oats for breakfast and all the weird stuff that kids would never ever eat do you know what i've noticed a lot of the insta mums i don't know if it's just because i'm getting older but they seem to be younger and younger i was talking about chloe zett before and i was shocked to learn that she's only 21 and it made me think is it because she's grown up so young on social media that she's kind of done everything that now she's like oh okay well i'll have a kid and i'm not inferring that she's having a child to profit off them on instagram not saying that at all 
different. I think she's got financial security, so she can focus on having kids. Well, also on Chloe Zepp, she's made the decision not to actually vlog her birth. I think she's still going to have cameras in there, but she's not actually going to talk to the camera while this is all going on. And it's strange because we were talking about parents profiteering off their children and the debate of whether you should film your child, well, you giving birth to your child, etc. But I actually feel a bit robbed as a viewer of Chloe Zepp's channel that I won't get to see that. Yeah, but they don't really share that much anyway. They're not really vlogging every week. Like when Sarah's day did it, she was vlogging three times a week. So you felt like you were on that journey. I'm not surprised. They've released a lot of stuff about the baby, but it's the whole psychology of you feel like you deserve to know as a follower because you've seen everything else. Yeah, it's funny because I remember when Sarah's day was close to giving birth and people, every time she wasn't sharing on her Instagram stories, they just assumed that she'd gone into (laughs) labor and she had to be like, no, I'm fine. I just, I'm tired. I haven't shared anything for a while well we'll have to wait with anticipation because i think chloe's about to pop so that's going to be the new insta mom to follow i reckon let's get into the reality tv wrap of the week so it seems like things are starting to change amy because i have been so bored with the reality tv on offer yes i am watching big brother and i am watching master chef but there is a hole in my heart for some bachelor spin-off and we are finally getting it Yeah, so the 15th of July, Bachelor in Paradise is set to drop. And I'm really excited to see how Kieran is going to be portrayed in this series because he's already warning fans that he's going to come across as a bit of a dick, to be honest. Yeah, well, we saw that Abby Chatfield was really interested in Kieran and it seemed like things were mutual. But then he was seen kissing, I think it's Tennille that's been on Bachelor in Paradise before. I think it was her. It was a girl with long, dark hair. And then there's some explosive blow up at a dinner party sort of math style so I can't wait because obviously he had such a good rap on Angie's series but he seems like he could be a bit of a bad boy well let's be honest the bachelor producers can sort of twist anything can't they they could make they could have made Kieran look bad in Angie's Mm. series and it's funny the ones who are often portrayed badly in the bachelor or bachelorette and then they come into paradise and everyone loves them yeah I'm wondering if there's a deal done with the producers so for example Abby Chatfield was relentlessly trolled unfairly and it will be interesting to see her edit because she has amassed a huge following since being on The Bachelor. Well, she she criticized her portrayal, didn't she? Which was fairly so because oh, every yeah. time she was on, they played this sort of like sex bomb music or as if she's some kind of like backstabbing snake and just ridiculous. Oh, it was just so horrible. So I'm really excited and hoping that she will get a good edit because she really deserves one. And I think this format of the show will suit her a lot more because it is about fun and dating. It's not so strict like The Bachelor. Well, the other thing that's really exciting is there's been ads for the actual series of The Bachelor, Lockie series. I almost fell off the couch when I saw this pop up because the last we had heard was that the recent Bachelor series had gone into a hiatus because of coronavirus. So it was kind of like question marks. Is it going to be continued? What's happening with the contestants? So they must have actually been filming in secret. Yeah, I'm surprised because I would have thought the Bachelor franchise would be sort of on the front foot telling people they'd begun filming. But I'm Mm. assuming, as you said, they've just done it secretly. And if you're looking at the TV rundown, you're assuming that it's going to be on after Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, I bloody hope so. One other ad that did excite me when Channel 10 was rolling out their promos for what's coming up this year is The Bachelorette was also mentioned. So at the moment, we don't know who's going to be in The Bachelorette. The Daily Mail did tease that maybe Tessa from MasterChef who got kicked out on Sunday night could be on it but unfortunately she's got a boyfriend oh 
I mean, that was just so stupid. Everyone knows she's got a boyfriend that's watched the show. Well, I read an article on Daily Mail. So again, I'm not sure how true it is, but it was another article saying that Harry from Too Hot to Handle has been approached to be The Bachelor after Lockie. I don't mean to be mean, but is it just me or is anyone so sick of this guy? I just can see straight through him. I feel like his whole romance with Francesca was put on. In Mm. fact, it's been rumoured that he dated Madison, one of the intruders on Too Hot to Handle, once he split from Francesca originally after the show ended. So, I mean, how, what a showmance is that to get back with Francesca when the series finally airs on Netflix? So if that's anything to go by, we'll probably see him being the next Bachelor then. Oh, he's only 23. <laughs> Can't they get someone good? I really want them to, you know, widen the net and maybe get some guys that aren't well known. I mean, I have no interest in watching. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm excited to watch it, but Lockie from Survivor doesn't excite me. No, neither. Let's get into our favourite topic, Awkward Turtle. Now, this one involves you and I, Amy, and it was a rather awkward meeting we had this week with a new potential client. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Sophie and I run a digital agency called Hula Media, and we do get random requests on LinkedIn for meetings, and this guy seemed pretty legit when he contacted us. Yeah, he claimed to be the owner of a certain business here in Adelaide, but alarm bells were going off the second we met up with him. Well, well, the odd thing was, as soon as we'd sat down at this cafe, he started talking about his previous business and he claimed that he'd sold it for $20 million. And normally when you're about to discuss a business deal with somebody, you don't really go on about your wealth because we hadn't discussed figures for work or anything. So that was sort of the first alarm bell. The next alarm bell was the fact he told us that he collects gold bars um, from the local, (laughs) what is it, Cash and Carry? No, what is that store called? Cash Converters. Cash Converters. I don't know if it was Cash Converters. But he basically, anyway, he claims that he buys bars of gold and sells them and had made $800,000 of uh, um, the third alarm bell was the fact that he said he collected two cars the day before, which one was a Jeep, one was some other flash car, and that he has a whole warehouse of cars, including a James Bond-style car. <laughs> Do you know what the weirdest thing was? I'm not trying to be mean, but most people who sort of brag about their wealth, they'll show up looking the part like in a fancy suit. This guy came in a polo top and he had a really crummy small office so we were just a bit like you know I suppose the most awkward thing about this story was having to sit there and pretend like we actually believed that this man was telling the truth I mean probably the sour point of the meeting was when he talked about how he's got a three-story boat and apparently women took nude photos recently on the boat I mean a little bit strange conversation to bring up with two females two but young anyway, girls at a meeting but so as you guys can probably sense uh you know alarm bells were ringing so we went home we googled this guy it popped up his mugshot from america and apparently he's been arrested for battery and is facing fraud charges in the u.s so it's safe to say we didn't get back in contact with this well i don't know though like how the fuck did he escape from america i mean he you know i don't know we're currently looking into it at the moment well the worst thing is this isn't even the first time i've met up with a scam artist the previous business i worked at There was a scam artist who met up with us in Sydney and he was apparently a real estate agent. And the most clever thing actually was that he he had developed a number of fake names and his fake name, I can't can't actually remember what it was. Maybe don't say this. Well, no, I won't say exactly what it is, but he made up the name of one of the one of of the singers on Five Seconds of Summer. And that's really clever because then if anyone tries to search for information about the wrongdoings you've done, they can't find you. I think the moral of this story, though, is if something seems dodgy, it most likely is, and you should always look into it. But that was the most awkward meeting I've ever been involved in. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's show. And thank you again to today's sponsor, Olaplex. I personally switched to Olaplex last year on the advice of my hairdresser. And it's honestly been so amazing. It's great if you've got dyed hair because it not only protects the color, but it also prevents damage to your hair, making it stronger and healthier. It's also great because it mends some of the damage done by straighteners. So it is a must. And if you did enjoy today's episode, we'd love if you could leave us a review. And also if you could share our show on your Insta story to let others know about it. Thanks.